Toward the end of the 1930s, there was a groundswell of opposition to war. Period. Just war. And you can't really blame them. Anyone over 30 could remember the horrors of World War I, the war to end all wars, right? It was horrific. Nothing like it in the history of mankind. Nobody will ever want to have a war again. <sighs> when the Nazis began to take over country after country, there was a little bit of response across Europe, but not enough not enough of the population, not enough people were willing to support the effort for it to really be at all effective. There was, though, one person who was all in for war, Adolf Hitler. He, he convinced, actually, the bulk of Germany to go all in. And they were all in. Eventually, to their credit, people in the Great Britain and the United States, even the USSR, realized that the only way to stop an evil person who was all in was for the good people to go all in. Okay, the communists didn't think of it that way, but, but they, the free people did and, and they all, they got all in. And because we went for broke, we went all in, we were able to stop the advance of tyranny. Let's now compare that to another war in which the United States was embroiled, one that I lived through, the Vietnam War. It really had the same goals. Protect the world from the advancement of tyranny, this time in the form of radical Far Eastern communism. But Americans were still reeling from World War II in the Korean conflict as well as social upheaval on the home front, and never really went all in to protect the people of South Vietnam. So millions of those people were slaughtered during and after the war as we abandoned them and the all-in communists overran their country. We even considered the killing fields of Pol Pot. The difference from being all in and kind of, sort of, doing anything is dramatic in world affairs and in our personal lives. It's sort of like breakfast. It is like breakfast. The chicken contributes. The pig, the pig is all in. <laughs> Think about that one for a minute. <laughs> Today, we're going to look at a scripture that deals with something much, much more important than world affairs or breakfast. It's like this. If people exist for a max of 120 years and a country exists for 121, then the country is more important than the individual, right? But if people live forever then their value is vastly greater than any mere human institution, even if it lasted a thousand years, like Hitler wanted and said the Third Reich would. And actually, one person, each and every person, becomes more important than all of world history. 
So, I hope you've guessed, we are talking about our spiritual lives. Specifically, how do we live our spiritual lives here on this earth all in? How do we do that? Not like a chicken at breakfast, well, more like a chicken for dinner. <laughs> We're pretty all in for that one. <laughs> in our case, how can we be imitators of God as beloved children? Father, it's, it's an interesting day for us celebrating your son's death and burial and resurrection, remembering that he will return to us. And now, considering imitating you. <laughs> we know ourselves and we know this is a task. We pray, Lord, that you help us to understand how to do it. As we have ambled through the letter to the Ephesian church, we've run across quite a few requirements for Christian living, for moving out of darkness and into the light. We are to walk as children of light, show what is good and right and true, try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord, do what is proper among saints, give thanks, know where we are headed, know where they are headed, and care enough to challenge them. Maybe they too will step out of darkness and into the light. And we've seen more specific items in this letter that the Holy Spirit, through Paul, gave us, uh, with quite a few more to follow, by the way. But this group is sufficient for us today. You see, even though he gave us, the apostles and the prophets, the evangelists and the pastor teachers, to equip us for the work, to grow, to Christ, grow as Christians, to actually imitate God, the truth is that this is impossible for us to do. Just this list. It's not improbable. It's categorically impossible. We can't do this. If we try to go all in entirely on our own steam, we'll fail. We are simply too limited and too flawed to pull it off. So what do we do to escape the trap of this world? Satan is all in. He was all in with Hitler, Stalin, Mao Zedong, Idi Amin, and he is today. The good news is, Today's text shows us how to be all in for Christ. How to win this war against a determined foe. It is possible for us to go all in in this Christian life if we work not under our own power, if we are filled with the Spirit. In that this is such a weighty matter, this is a surprisingly short passage. <laughs> there are only two main sections. First, Paul tells them in three ways to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We might say three descriptions of being filled with the Holy Spirit. After which, he gives four ways to live filled with the Holy Spirit. As it is such a brief section, let's read it all as one piece and then we'll go back and look at it in detail. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. 
Okay, let's start with the three statements regarding being filled. There are really three ways of saying the same thing, along with a reason. And each is presented to us negatively and positively, what we should do and what we shouldn't. First, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. As we try to walk carefully in this new life, be all in, we need to be wise, not unwise like we used to be. James has a lot to say about heavenly wisdom and earthly wisdom, foolishness, in a very pragmatic sense. In fact, his entire letter is about just that, a good place to get some specifics if you'd like to learn more on this subject. In this letter, just after this section, Paul will give some very specific instructions as to wise living. But his purpose here is different. Here he says that wise people live according to God's leading. Unwise live according to the world's standards. Which is why he places right here the reason for going all in. Making the best use of the time because the days are evil. The Ephesian church didn't need to be reminded that this is one sick world. Okay, They, they knew it. They lived it. Today, everybody knows it's a very disturbed world. We hear all the time, how can there be a good God when the days are so evil? Okay, they don't say when the days are so evil, but you know, you've heard it. How can there be a good God when this happens, when that happens? We talked about our need to challenge unbelievers, be pools of light in a dark world, so that they have a chance, should they so desire, to step into the light. People didn't really believe the Nazis were as evil as they were being told. They hadn't read the CIA expose, The Mind of Adolf Hitler. You should read that sometime. It was written before World War II. And it's astonishing what it teaches us about the man who would cause this trouble. They, but people didn't believe it. They hadn't read it. They did, that was actually secret. They didn't put it out because they thought, nobody will believe it. But we now know it's all true. For that other war... The questions were, can the communists really be all that bad? Shouldn't we just let them alone? In the first instance, we nearly lost freedom in pretty much the entire world and multiplied millions suffered who would not have had we taken the threat seriously at the beginning. In the second place, we simply let entire countries lose their freedom and their lives because we were blind to the darkness. And those were just world affairs. That's all. We need to understand how dark this world is spiritually. Then we'll be most careful how we live, how we walk to live wisely. Most concerned to be light in a dark world. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is being a fool in much of Scripture, particularly the Old Testament, is to be one who does not trust in God. Foolishness here is simply being unwise. That's all he's trying to say, just being unwise. Basically, Paul brings into closer focus his thought. How does one become wise? He understands the will of God, the will of the Lord. Or as Paul said earlier, 
and try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord as opposed to grieving the Holy Spirit. Just last week we read what Paul wrote to another church, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Here he's going to focus on other aspects of God's will. He'll explain how one avoids grieving the Holy Spirit, discerns what is pleasing to the Lord, understands the will of the Lord. And so we reach Paul's primary point. Be filled with the Spirit and do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. First, don't live like you used to live. Don't do that anymore. Don't live the life that you lived before. And some still do. Live filled with the Spirit. Earlier, Paul said, they have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learn Christ. This is how they used to live, in debauchery. Don't do that. (laughs) The word translated debauchery is used in a story Jesus told about the prodigal son. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country, and there he squandered his property in reckless living. Reckless, wasteful living is debauchery. But we are to live filled with the Spirit. Peter said, Gentiles are surprised when you do not join them in the same flood of debauchery, and they malign you. They do. I used to sell a product called Tennet, produced by a company of the same name. Those of us who installed a lot of projects, we were brought to these national sales meetings. They had them in Vegas. They had them all over the place. There was a lot of money in computer networking back then, and, and these were elaborate affairs. They would, as the saying goes, wine and dine us. The problem is many of them were much more into the wine than anything else. <laughs> we were supposed to be learning things and... Be, Well, I learned that it was wise to rent my own car, but before that I was trapped with whatever company representative picked me up at the airport. And they would always eventually end up in a bar. (laughs) Well, these guys were getting roaring drunk. I was not. You know, hey, the Bible says don't get drunk. In fact, I'm I'm a lifetime teetotaler. You can't believe how irritated these guys would get when I wouldn't drink with them. They'd get mad. They'd swear at me. Sometimes they'd pay for a taxi just to get me out of there. (laughs) Can you not? They maligned me. They did. I heard about it all the time. But but I would get back at them, by the way. What I'd do is, before all the drinking started, I'd set up these 7 a.m. meetings before the main meeting started for the next day. And then I'd instruct the hotel uh, front desk to call them at 6 a.m. to make sure they were ready for it. (laughs) I used to do that all the time. It was fun. Well, I was convinced it was good for them. (laughs) Well, at least I convinced myself I was convinced. I don't know. Maybe I'm supposed to repent here. I'm not sure. (laughs) But it was kind of fun. (laughs) But sinners get angry when they sin, and we don't. It reminds them that they're in the dark. And as we recall from an earlier talk, that could be good. It could be. Be filled with the Spirit. So what does filled mean? 
well, why did Paul use drunk with wine as the negative comparison? Becky and I watched an interesting police reality show once. Their subject for this episode was drunken college kids. And it was sad, really. Uh, Not only did they lose control of their minds and passions doing things that they would regret the rest of their lives, but they'd lose control of their bodies, sometimes with embarrassing results, like when they lost control of their bladders. Uh, Sometimes they lost control, though, in harmful and even deadly ways. Drunk with wine is about your entire being. Personality, intellect, talents, money, friendships being consumed by alcohol. Do you think that perhaps we are to be filled with the Spirit to the point that everything we are, everything we have, every relationship we are in is affected by the Spirit's presence in our lives? in our very inner being. And understand that, yes, Paul means filled individually, obviously, but he also means filled corporately as a group. You'll see more in a moment. Together we are to be filled. He'll show us an example shortly here. And the Greek words used here have a way to indicate continual action. This isn't a one-time thing. We're talking a complete life change. Day after day, minute by minute. Paul's been building up to in this letter to this point. Okay, This being filled with the Spirit. That's where he's been leading the whole letter. Let's look at fullness, the whole idea of being filled in Ephesians. It, it should help us understand a little better. In the first chapter, and he, the Father, put all things under his, Jesus, feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. The church is the fullness of Jesus. Let's say that another way. Jesus' body, the church, shows his fullness because he filled the church with himself. Here's another one. They were to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Knowing the strong love of Christ makes possible our gaining the fullness of God the Father. The better we know Him, the better we know His love, and the more filled we are with Him. You do know that love of Christ is power. It's not some wimpy little feeling thing. It's, it's about power. Speaking of Jesus, Paul said, He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. Jesus ascended to heaven so that he might fill all things. Jesus told his disciples on the last night he needed to leave them so that the Holy Spirit could come. Jesus fills all things through the Holy Spirit. He even gave leaders to the church to build it up until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. 
our maturity directly corresponds to and is measured by how much we are filled with Christ. This filling with Christ is done by the Holy Spirit, okay? But then there's this strange truth. It appears that we are given responsibility to allow Him to fill us. This filling isn't just something that happens to us. We decide to do this as well. It's like falling in love. Oh, I just fell in love with him the moment I saw him. Can we just be honest here? A kid who falls in love was looking to fall in love. (laughs) They just needed an object to which they could attach their love. I mean, is that not the truth? In this big church, we, we had a class of 40 or 60 even. I can't remember, 50, 60 kids, junior high kids, all in one class. And we were dealing with the issue of boyfriends and girlfriends. So I asked, why do you want a boyfriend or girlfriend? <laughs> you know, they looked at me like I was from another planet. And you could see the, what a dumb question. It was written all over their faces. So silly answers came flying in from here and there. But finally, one girl answered perfectly. She perfect truth. She said, because it makes me feel good. <laughs> yes, exactly. So it's not about the boy at all. It's really just about you. In fact, any boy that fits the criteria you've set will do. You want to fall in love, so you find someone to fall in love with. They didn't much like that truth. (laughs) But it does have application for us. Do we want to fall in love with the Holy Spirit? Do we want our entire being, all our life, to be infused with Him? Everything we do influenced by Him. Everything. Are we seeking Him to fall in love with? Good news, we all have the Spirit if we belong to Jesus. We need to let the Spirit have all of us. Christians must allow themselves to be the place where the presence and power of God are evident. Remember that we were sealed by the Spirit. In Him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in Him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. Making sure you get to heaven is the work of the Holy Spirit. But on the way, wouldn't you like to be somebody? Somebody who can do things. Somebody who can make a difference. Somebody with some power. Paul prayed for the Ephesian saints that according to the riches of His glory, He may grant you to be strengthened with power through His Spirit in your inner being. We must live lives filled with the Spirit if we are going to do His work with power. Okay, we got this be-filled thing down. So what does a life lived that way look like? How does this work? Paul gives four examples of being filled with the Spirit in Ephesians 5, 19-21. This is a chiasm. All four items are related, but the first and the last particularly go together, and the middle two especially combine. They all go together, being filled with the Spirit. One might say that they are individual facets of the same stone. Okay, They all go together. So the Ephesian church was to be singing for each other, singing to the Lord, giving thanks to God, submitting to one another. Okay? 
singing for each other, singing to the Lord, giving thanks to God, submitting to one another. Let's talk about the singing. Addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Item one, singing for each other. Paul has already talked about the leaders and their job to help the church grow. Now he points out that if we are filled by the Spirit, we will share in singing and praising God for each other. Music is very important in our lives. It is designed by God for that purpose. I wonder if music is a part of the nature of God. I really do wonder. C.S. Lewis once mentioned in one of his books, two things heaven has that Satan hates. Singing and silence. Hmm. With modern science, we have learned that words used in singing form in a different part of our brains than words that we speak. They don't even come from the same place in our brain. They enter our consciousness also by a different path. Singing praises to God for each other helps us to be filled with the Spirit. We need to build each other up by singing for each other and together with each other. I had a terrible thought though. If psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs can fill us with the Spirit, could some music fill us with the world? Draw us closer to Satan, away from the Lord, into the darkness? The first and fourth parts of this chiasm on living filled with the Spirit have to do with our interactions with each other. The middle two concern our actions toward God. It's fascinating to me that the second item has to do with singing to God, addressing to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with all your heart. Clearly, Paul wanted them to understand that their relationship to each other and their relationship to God are inextricably linked. They are joined at the hip, as the saying goes. Our point here is that if you are filled with the Spirit, we are filled with the Spirit, we will sing to the Lord. And when we sing to the Lord, we can be filled to the full with the Spirit. They go <laughs> either way. So do we sometimes sing to the Lord and sometimes for each other? No, it's always to the Lord and always for each other. It's both always. Singing both draws us closer to God, filled with the Spirit, and flows out of us as we draw closer to Him. And whenever we draw closer to Him, we draw closer to each other. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Being filled with the Spirit always results in increased closeness to God and to our brothers and sisters in Christ. After singing to each other and to God, we are to give thanks to God, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We talked a lot last week about thankfulness. Paul has given thanks for them. I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. He has told them not to sin, but instead let there be thanksgiving. Now he pushes them further, always and for everything. There is no part of our lives that God is not 
watching. No part of our lives that God is not watching. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. So we need to give him thanks always and for everything. Everything. Do we love God? Are we called according to his purpose? Then we can trust that all that happens in our lives, everything in our lives, will work together for our good in the new creation. For all eternity. And we can take the next step in a spirit-filled life, submitting to one another. <laughs> submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Submit. The Greek word means to arrange under. Okay. This is evidence that we are filled with the Spirit. This is a way in which we are filled with the Spirit. Okay, <laughs> Like the other three, doing this helps us to be filled with the Spirit. And the more completely we allow the Spirit to fill us, the better we can submit to one another. Now understand, non-Christians cannot submit. Well, Rick, I don't, I don't really know about that. Uh, I've seen them submit. I've, maybe you mean to say they struggle to submit. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. No, they cannot submit to God. And like in everything, we were just talking about singing, a person's interaction with God is reflected in their interaction with other human beings. They cannot submit to one another. They do have an appearance of submission. Why do we have governments? Well, it's best for us, think me, to live safe and productive lives. In other words, you agree to submit to other humans only because it's good for you. That's not really submission. And submission is not subjugation. No one filled with the Spirit makes someone else submit to them. Everyone filled with the Spirit arranges themselves under others who are filled with the Spirit. And it helps to remember that in all things and people are under the authority of Jesus and he put all things under his feet and gave him his head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Obviously, that includes everyone in the church. Have you ever noticed that trees grow leaves? Yeah, really? Huh? Well, it's, well, it's true. Dogs bark, rivers run, the sun shines. Natural things do what they are supposed to do. We naturally do not submit. We're another thing from that. Paul had said, I therefore a prisoner for the Lord urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called with all humility. Why did he have to urge them? Because they didn't naturally do it. Okay. It's not a part of our nature. Maybe you were here on that Sunday when we discovered that humility is necessary to get us into the game for us to become Christians. You have to be humble to get that. 
Humility is also mandatory for submission. Submission requires humility. Do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Count others, that is to say, arrange yourself under others. Same Greek word. Arrange yourself under the others. Submit yourself to other spirit-filled people. Rivalry is trying to gain something for yourself from what someone else has. Conceit is knowing you deserve what others do not. Humility is submitting yourself to another. That's where Jesus was going when he said, The greatest among you shall be your servant. Whoever exalts himself will be humble. And whoever humbles himself will be exalted. Are we filled with the Spirit enough that we can trust God to exalt us when we submit to others? Without mutual submission, Dr. Snodgrass says, Christians cannot fulfill their destiny. Do we want to fulfill the destiny God has for us? Do we as a church want to fulfill the destiny God has for us? For us as a church, then we need to be filled with the Spirit. And that includes learning to submit to one another. Oh, and, and don't submit in this way to those who won't submit. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. Or as Paul said to the Thessalonians, do not despise prophecies, but test everything. Hold fast what is good. In fact, Paul has just said in this letter, take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. Okay? Yes, Paul did tell Pastor Titus to remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities. But we must obey God rather than men to work these out. Back to Ephesians. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Out of reverence for Christ. Now back up to the beginning of this section. Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Just celebrated communion. Jesus submitted himself all the way to death on a cross. He was all in. Why? To save us. To save us, he arranged himself under others. If he did that for us, can we not, in reverence to him, submit ourselves to each other for him? If we can, we are filled with the Spirit. If we are filled with the Spirit, we will. Are we ready to go all in? This is a war. A spiritual war. Much more important than a mere world war. This is a war that determines forever. You will live forever. Your value 
is infinitely greater than all this world's history. You, individually. Will you please treat yourself as if you are that valuable? Be filled with the Spirit. The Father gave the best He had for you. Jesus gave Himself for you. You have all the Spirit. Now, let the Spirit have all of you. Father, we understand this is the central point here. This is Paul's point in this whole letter. Everything about Christian life is this. You've given us everything. The Spirit gives all of Himself to us. Now we have to give all of us to Him. I guess it's about trust. It's about our faith in You. Do we really honestly believe You'll keep us okay? Can we completely give ourselves up? All that we want, all that we have, all that we wish we had, can we give every relationship up for You? Could we walk away from everything for You? Even our own lives, could we do this knowing that You are all in for us? Do we really believe it? Well, we know we're imperfect. We know we don't really get it perfectly. But help us, Lord, to get ever closer. To ever more allow the Spirit to control our lives. Each word that comes out of our mouth. We want so badly to live it for You. Help us, Lord, to do just that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.